Welcome to episode 830 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 830 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am bloody good, Bevan. It was a good weekend of sport. Kiwis kicked ass, and the All Blacks kicked ass, everyone's kicking ass in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's been a good weekend. And we had Challenge Rope, which was awesome. I have to say, as the Warriors walked out to the park, I got a bit emotional. I, I, I like I didn't cry, but I wasn't far away from it, John, because for those people who are like in, in like American places like that, that Rugby league is kind of my favorite sport, but it's kind of second tier sport, contact sport in New Zealand. And our team is notoriously bad. They're the hardest team to follow, but they haven't been able to play at home for over a thousand days because of COVID. They'll be playing in Australia and they had their homecoming game. And luckily they played well because <laughs> normally it's a bloody disaster, but yeah. they played well. And it was such a cool moment when they walked on. Did you watch the, did you watch the start of the game? I did not watch the, I watched it about halfway in and uh, yeah. they had a great, well, the second half it was, it was steady, but not awesome. Kiwi's yeah. cranking it everywhere. Go to the Mighty Motor from Warriors. Okay, John, let's say Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by Endurance Fit. This is periodized strength training for triathletes are focused on you. And we're going to be talking more about that later on the show. I will say thank you to our patrons. We've got Christine, the Grinder, McKinley. We've got Colette, Coasting Andrews. And Mike Schwizzle Pizzell. Okay, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got Hot Topic. We're going to interview John. Yes, I caught up with Jenna from Endurance Fit. We're talking about so in-season uh, strength training, plus a few other little bits and pieces. And then uh, we're actually doing a section. My book came out two days ago, guys. Um, and it's actually, you know what, John? I got news. It's sold out from bookshops already. And it's nice. like, yeah, the dispute is really angry because I don't have enough books. And they're like, well, we never sell books this fast. So um, it's pretty exciting. It's going, it couldn't be going better, which is really exciting. But I wanted to talk, and, and my book's not for you guys. My book's not for people who are already, you know, Ironman athletes. But definitely there'll be stuff in there that people in your life will be able to get value through. So I'm just going to talk through some of the stuff in my book. Wingers of the week and questions and answers at the end. Okay, John, the big race over the weekend, one of the big races of the season, one we look forward to every year. Challenge Rolt happen. And while in some ways it's disappointing because Virginia had to pull out, what a race. Yeah, no, there was some serious speed over there on both the males and females uh, courses. Unfortunately for the pros, and I'm not sure about age groupers because I haven't caught up with anybody that raced over there, uh, the swim was a non-wetsuit swim. And that has a big impact whether you're a good swimmer or a crappy swimmer. You know, in the region of about anywhere from sort of three to probably up to up to. 10 minutes plus for, for the weaker swimmers, but for the pros, yeah, you're probably looking somewhere in the three to five minute range. Uh, and then in the end, that had a pretty big impact on the race because Magnus Ditlev absolutely smashed the crap out of that course. He came out of the swim in 50-44, so he was down on the likes of Fredino and the fastest swimmers, but he managed to ride up to Frodo in a very quick fashion. I think he caught him at around about Gredding, which is... Um, the road course is kind of two laps and greeting is from memory down the 
very bottom of the course. So he would have only been maybe 40k in or so, I'm guessing. I didn't really watch that much of the coverage. But if he caught him then, he's making up a couple of minutes and absolutely killing it. He rode a course record, 4.01.56. Came off the bike just be- just behind Fredino, like a matter of seconds, they were in transition together. Uh, and then took off on the run. You're thinking, oh, well. Frodo runs well. He's he's it's probably good for second place because they had a massive lead over the rest of the the field. Um, as it turned out, Frodo DNF'd. He got about three k in. Ditlev ran a two forty twenty two, which is Jeez. a great run yeah. split, irrespective of bike. bike course record. Yeah, but um, with that bike, yeah. And just a, a complete annihilation. It was only nine seconds off Frodo's course record, which we consider the wetsuit. Yeah. He would have annihilated. He didn't drill uh, the very end of the run. You know, when he, came, he was coming into the finish, yeah, he looked completely smoked. Um, but there was nine seconds that you could have possibly made in the last, you know, the last couple of hundred meters, uh, let alone in transition. He had a pretty tardy uh, T2. Whereas Fredino's T2, never seen anything like it. He firstly, they didn't have his bag ready for him. For some reason, it wasn't there, and he just it was a complete kerfuffle so he's first off the bike uh and then did live past him and was in, in transition putting his shoes on fredino came in and it was a proper short course transition yeah. i don't even know if he stood sat down he literally just got his shoes out of his bag and that's all he got boom and he was out of there it was very impressive wow so so did live he won he got second in in texas behind hoffman now hoffman had a pretty solid day that day uh, what do you think? You know, this is a, this is a championship performance. So when you look at Kona, what are you thinking? Uh, if he races like that, he is a contender potentially for the win. Uh, if you know, definitely that's a top five sort of Kona performance. Um, but Kona's a different beast. He is a bigger guy. He has struggled in the odd race here or there. He's still really young. Um, but yeah, look, he's he's definitely someone you'll be watching because he will annihilate the bike course over there. But we know what Kona's like in terms of the heat. That's next level. Uh, and yeah, we'll just have to see what he can do on the run. I'm sure he'll be there or thereabouts possibly coming off the bike that being said it's a different kind of race in Kona compared to here you know this race it was Ditlev and um, Fredino just smashing it around the bike course over there you've got a pace line to deal with and and there's a bit more drama Um, second place is just a really interesting comment because you know athletes actually don't get that much opportunity to practice that kind of riding other than like maybe with the PTO now but you know like really they kind of have one experience a year where they race like they race in Kona Mm, absolutely and then hopefully we'll see well from a spectator's point of view it doesn't really matter but um yeah i think with the pto races we're going to see more and more close racing um patrick langer finished in second place and the cool thing with the rote coverage is they were getting these guys up into the commentary booth to to give some comments and i saw patrick Langer Langer was up there when uh when ann haug was finishing and he was uh, he was uh he was yeah, he battled all day. He's been injured. Um, he couldn't. He can't even lift his arm sort of above his shoulder very easily. Um, so he was he was really stoked because he had to fight all day. He set a new course record on the run, um, but said he sort of struggled, but sort of fought all day. So he's really proud of his performance. But he said that that performance from Magnus Ditlev was next level, and wow. he didn't he didn't think anybody would have beaten him uh, on that day that he was on. So high praise from a um, multiple world champion there. And yeah. really impressive to see Ronaldo Colucci in third place, and all of the top five uh, went under eight hours, which is bloody impressive. 
So then we look at the females race and Anne Hay just shows her dominance at the moment, but um, pretty close to Chrissy's record as well. And when we consider non-wetsuit, we're seeing some yeah. fast times, aren't we? Yeah, no, so she's, she, uh, these, these times we call out for the swim, uh, I think it's swim plus T1. So she swam 58.46. Um, and if I'm just looking back at what she swam last year, last year she swam 52.11. So for her, six minutes difference. Yeah. She'd, if she'd gone six minutes quicker, she would have obliterated Chrissy's record. Wow. Um, she's a tiny athlete. So for her to ride a 4.33 is just awesome uh fastest spike split of the day and then to run 246 is wicked uh she didn't get the lead until the second half of the run because finale language was uh well up the road and she had a real breakthrough performance as well going 831 which yeah. is awesome uh and then judith uh cochran was in third in 846 and laura sadell in uh fourth so Anne haug is uh showing that you know there's really she's i mean she's obviously one Kona, so she's awesome. But um, when she's on, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing her against Daniela Reef, against Cat uh, Matthews, and um, Laura Phillip. Those four going head to head is going to be wicked. There's one thing, Cam Brown came at 8.40. I think he was hoping to go closer to 8, so obviously wouldn't have been that happy with the performance. The run was not that slow. He still did like a 3.05, but for him, he probably would have hoping to go a little bit quicker. He probably blew up a bit in the run. Yeah, um, and he uh, he also, you know, he swam a 59-minute swim as well. I think oh, he's really been struggling with his swim, and he's been really struggling with his runs. So 8.40, hey, for a 50-year-old, that's still bloody respectable. Um, but knowing Cam, he probably would have wanted to go, you know, quite a bit quicker than that. But uh, 8.40 would have still given him a fairly healthy um, win in the 50-year-old age group. Okay, so next up we had Ironman Austria. And one thing I find interesting about this is Austria is normally one of those races, like back in the day, the world record was broken in Austria. Austria. Mm. Um, and, not, you know, 8, 8, 12 is no, 8.17 is no schmuck time, but nowadays it's well off what we see in the world records. Partly not the stellar field, but still good athletes. So what happened there, John? Mm. Uh, we had Ivan Tutkin take it out. He swam 52, rode a 4.31, and then ran a 2.47 for an 8.17. Wasn't under any pressure. Six-minute victory over Michael Weiss with uh, Lucas Walt in third place in 8.29. So pretty small field, only 12 finishes on the boys' side. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Well, it's, I haven't looked into any of the reasons why it might have been a little bit slower. Um, but nonetheless, Ivan Tuktukin takes the win. I guess we've had a couple of 70.3s. Any, any, any kind of interesting news around that stuff, Jumbo? Uh, we had some short course athletes um, doing pretty well at the 70.3 Les Sables de Long, which is in France. We had Martha Bartan. Bernardi uh, take that out uh, and then Pierre Lacour who's one of the very best um, short course athletes in the world he took out the boys race uh, and then over in Andorra we had Ashley Gentle and Simon Vian take that out and then uh, Klaus Bjorling uh, some of you guys will have heard us talk about him before yeah. he was a good Swedish athlete he was involved in the new race in Challenge Vansbro and Indy Lee and Jesper Svensson took that out um, I saw a little bit of footage that looked like a beautiful race so they've announced the PTO men's start list for the Canadian Open, and they've also shown us the prize money, which is really interesting. And if you look at the start list, basically we're missing Fredino, we're missing Brownlee, and we're missing Gomez. And other than that, it's everyone's here. Pretty much. I mean, there's a few there's a few athletes that aren't there. Like um, I know, uh, 
Braden Curry's not on the list. There's, oh, there's, there's a few yeah, on I there, but, cool. but not not many. Um, you, you know, realistically, you're thinking this race is going to be uh, the other name that I don't see there is Sam Long. But you know, look, um, it's got 30 of the best athletes in the world. It's a, it's as close as you're going to get to a world championship field. Um, and it's awesome. We're going to see Blumenfeld versus Eden versus Sanders versus Beckengard, Ditlev, Skipper, Laundry. It is a, it's a high quality field. That's what they promised. And it looks like they're going to deliver. Prize money is awesome. There's a million dollars. Um, and so $100,000 for first place, which is great, um, goes down to $5,000 for 20th. Um, but the real kicker is then everybody that finishes is going to get $2,000. Yeah. And for, for a lot of us, oh, 2000 bucks that's not much. But if you're a struggling pro, that means you can pretty much go to this race and know you're not losing money, which often yeah. happens. Uh, so you are going to get something to cover your airfare and, and your accommodations. So it's going to be a cool, cool race. Looking forward to it. Did so I read multi-lap. as well that it's double points for Peter for the Collins Cup? If you, you uh, not, maybe it's not double, one one point five points. Okay. So it's all the, there's some sort of bonus percentage in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth your while going financially and getting the your points and your ranking up high, and that'll help a lot for your end of year bonus plus uh, selection into the Collins Cup team. You know that's going to be really hard for, yeah. for especially for the Europeans. So you put in a good race here, and uh, you should get some good points. And on that front, that is happening on the 23rd and 24th of July. Coming up this weekend, we've got a few races. We've got the men's race happening in Victoria. It's a male-only race. What's happening in that race, Jumbo? Uh, I've had a bit of a struggle with this because uh, COVID's wiped it out the first uh, last couple of years. They had it in 2019. Prior to that, they had uh, the World Long Distance Champs there. So formerly the ITU, now it's called World Triathlon. And Nico Lanos took it out the first time. It was called Ironman with a 755 and uh, Heather Jackson with an 852. Uh, So yeah, male pros got got a few guys there that'll be looking to get their Kona slots who haven't got them. Um, Patrick Nilsson, um, Christian Holgenhag, uh, Cam Wirth, Andy Potts, all these guys um, at this stage don't look to have Kona slots, so it's a it's a quite a cool field. I'm just um, yeah, I am, I'm pretty excited to see what Cam Wirth does in the next little phase of his career. We know he's you know quite a character and always um, has a good chat when he gets interviewed, uh, weapon on the bike. But is he taking this full full seriously, or is he still trying to dabble in terms of being a cyclist and a triathlete? Because when he is on his top form as a triathlete, and we saw this last year, uh, he goes bloody good. Yeah. So uh, interested to see what sort of form he brings to this one because at seventy at the World Ironman Champs, um, he didn't really fire any shots. We have our Ironman Switzerland happening as well, and it's also uh, well, it's an interesting race actually because we've got two of the rock stars of the racing world happening: we've got Laura Phillip and Tanya Larif. And, and under Tri Ratings ratings, Laura Phillip actually gets the first placing on the ratings now. One thing, one thing I was thinking earlier, John, was in Ironman, is there a hometown advantage? You know, like yeah. you know, like it's like you think of like football and the Warriors on the weekend. You know, you think of a lot of sports being in your hometown. There's a massive advantage to it. Whereas you probably wouldn't think so in Ironman, but you know, you look at Cam Brown, you look at Ironman New Zealand. It tends to be in New Zealand athletes that win it, and that's probably because local athletes want to race in their local races. But is there an advantage to racing at home for these top end pros? 
Well, I think we need to ask ask them, but I, I imagine the, there is. I think the reason why Kiwi athletes do well in New Zealand, it's, a, it's our summer, you know, we've, and the athletes are built up for this, for a peak event. For these guys, you know, there's so much more racing in Europe. But, you know, if you put yourself in Daniela Reef's shoes when she's racing in Switzerland this weekend and she's out there on the run, if she's got a head-to-head battle there with Laura Phillip, there's going to be a crap load more people cheering for Daniela Reef than there is uh, yeah. Laura Phillip. So, um Yes, I would say that there is. I think it wouldn't be that as much as, say, in team sports when you've got the, a massive crowd behind you for the full duration. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it would be interesting to ask um, ask the pro athletes. You know, uh, well, it's, and it's also that local pressure. Really and some people will respond to it and some people won't. But if you're the right type of athlete, having that kind of local pressure, because let's be honest, I imagine this would be getting pretty good media in Switzerland, especially because Daniela is racing. Um, mm. You know, like she probably feels a responsibility to deliver in this race. Mm. Oh, no, it's going to be awesome because uh, Laura Phillip has had some absolutely kick-ass performances, but sometimes they haven't been uh, up against, uh, you know, the best athletes. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing what she can do. Okay, we've got a couple of other non-branded races. Any, any in particular you want to mention there, Jumbo? No, we've got a few on. Um, we've got the Ultraman in France. We've got the Friesman in the Netherlands, the Laponia Triathlon in Sweden, the Triathlon X in uh, the UK up in Ambleside, Starvation Extreme. Oh. That's an awesome name. And you Utah. Know to eat on the race. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, Ironborn in Eastbourne in the UK. And that's about it for this weekend. Okay, we also got John's ITU update, well, short course update. They're heading to Hamburg and they're doing a sprint and relay again. They are. So a bit of a funny season because they kicked off a COVID-delayed season. This is actually the second race they've had in Hamburg because they started essentially the 2022 season in Hamburg last year. And yeah, it's all it's all a bit weird. It's a funny season because they're going to Hamburg this weekend, so 10th, 9th and 10th of July, and then they have a break until October. And then they're going October, November, November for the last three rounds in Caligari, Bermuda and Abu Dhabi. So really, really late um, World Champs finals this year in Abu Dhabi. Typically, you're, you're wrapping the season up in September time, but obviously if you tried to race in Abu Dhabi in September, you're going to probably melt before you even start the run. So uh, yeah, it's Cal- it's Hamburg this weekend, sprint distance, um, usually pretty good, tight racing, usually massive crowds. Unfortunately, we're not going to see our, our big showdown that we'd like to see between Hayden Wild and Alex Yee, um, the two fastest runners in the sport. Um, on the boys' side, um, Hayden Wild's racing, but Alex Yee isn't. And then equally on the female side, there's been a good little rivalry building between Georgia Taylor-Brown and Cassandra Bolground, and neither of them are racing. So the door's wide open for the likes of Flora Duffy to, to come back in and smoke it. And I'm particularly interested to see how Mario Moller goes. He was the best athlete or best runner athlete in the world prior to COVID. And since then, has not really fired too many shots, only got 10th at the Olympics. Uh, so really looking forward to it. So check it out on triathlonlive.tv. Um, should be a good weekend of racing. Okay, this week's discussion is what race fails have you vowed to never repeat in the past? And we've got some good ones here. So, John, but you go first. And yeah, I'll start from the bottom. You go to the top. You start from the top. Uh, Gary yeah. Sullivan turned up an hour late to a race. I got mm. the wrong time um, for the Victorian Kilometer TT champs. Had to ride with absolutely no warm up on a fairly average Melbourne Sunday morning. Thankfully, you made the start uh, time, uh, even though you were an hour late. We've got Brian Harkner, and he's got to walk once because you only uh, walk once because once you do, you'd end up doing it twice. And I know you like your walk-run strategy, but I'm thinking he wasn't planning on walking when he did this. Yeah. 
That's that sounds like aimless walking. Yeah, um, aimless me. walking. I like that. Lee Spore um, politely declining the offer to help uh, put sunscreen on my back during my first Ironman at Regensburg, replying that it'll be fine, thanks. And Lee put a picture on our Facebook yeah. page of his back. It was disgusting. Yeah. It was bright red, and it was actually this massive big blister. So uh, yeah, Lee. Good call. Sunscreen's not a bad idea. Jared Crump's got, I left my swim skin around my hips accidentally. The quad burn was real and the legs were in pain once I hit the run. So, so we got lots of comments this week on, on this uh, discussion. You're a role model, John. You're a role model. <laughs> there was quite a few that have left swim skins on and I've actually picked them out and put them all in here so I don't feel like such a fool. Um, Grant uh, Strahl, when I raced the tour of Southland, one of the stages finished but I thought it was just one of the um, one of the sprint points and attacked. It was going great guns until they came up to me on a motorbike and felt stupid. So he basically kept going past the finish line, thinking that they still had another lap to go. So oh, Grant, that is dick of the day stuff. <laughs> dick of the day. Too many dicks on the <laughs> dance floor. Okay, you could Troy Brussel. Brussel, uh, is it? It's Brussel. He's the old athlinks. Um, yeah. He forgot his cycle shoes, so he used running shoes on his clip-ons and blew his legs out mm. before the run that's a big mistake that's okay for like a couple of k's but yeah. doing that for too long is pretty tricky um, under your feet yeah mm. uh andrea clark put moisture on moisturizer on that i never used before my goggles leaked i presume she put this on her face my goggles leaked and got i got out of the pool and could only see out of one eye rode my bike um spraying water in my eye while cycling as fast as i could when i dismounted i almost somersaulted a couple of other people said that putting sunscreen on just before racing and goggles leaked like crazy so yep good tip uh, good old Greg Jules Bramwell's got. I borrowed a TT bike and I hadn't done enough Ks on. It's a fatal error, especially if you're like an Iron Man. Oh, screw you back. Exactly, Toby yeah. Schnell. Uh, I too fell victim to the Newsom swim skin debacle twice. <laughs> at a, least there's a brand yeah. for it. <laughs> Even after once loudly proclaiming pre-race, only one job to do in T1 today, take that bloody thing off, only to find it flapping in the wind a couple of hundred metres later. I feel your pain, Toby. I feel it. You know, you know it well. Uh, Luke uh, Glimmer has got using a random gel in an aid session that I'd never tried. It made me feel awful for the entire run. You do need to, you, whatever race you're doing, get the gels. And often that's going to be Morton. So obviously get your Morton gels and practice them before you actually get out there. Brad Dixon, Brad Dixon is a blast in the past. He was doing triathlon when I first started. Um, in the 1994 Tauranga Half Ironman, I put my bike shoes on the wrong pedals. Mm. I had to dismount and manually clip the shoes out, put them on, and remount. Do I get a prize for the dumbest mistake? It's it's high, oh, yeah. high up there, Brad. What you would have done uh, to make that even worse is if you'd actually kept on riding with the wrong shoes in. I actually think this, this one wins. Good old David Mortimer for getting my prescription dark glasses and having to ride a 73.3 bike in my prescription goggles. I love this that, one. I've, I've never seen that. It's sensational. Like a fall. Imagine Absolute if it was hot fall. too. Like if it was hot. Oh, because they'll just be getting sweat in your eyes. That's yeah. And, people, <laughs> and everyone would have been telling you, mate, you got your goggles on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I know, I know. And it goes to 70.3. You're out there for bloody three hours on the bike. Oh, that's uh, last one I'll do, because we'll finish on a swim skin one. Ian Hersey left my swim skin on um, the bottom half in the Hawaii 70.3. I've been there and I know it. I finally did remove it in T2. John, what's any of yours? What's your one? 
Swimskin is high on the the yeah. ratings. Uh, the one one other one we had in there is is uh, somebody dropping their drink bottle uh, or bottle of oh, nutrition in the up. race. Yeah, I've done that. Not picking that up. That's an absolute game changer. If your nutrition doesn't fall out and you've it's a key nutrition in there, uh, you've got to turn around and get it. You know, it's only going to cost you a minute or so and uh, critical mistakes. So Swimskin was uh, was high on my agenda. Now, mine was just forgetting stuff. I, I, I remember turning up to the Timur Triathlon and I didn't have shoes. So what mm. are going to do here? And then luckily, someone let me some shoes. But I was a bit in our days, but back in the old days, I was a bit rough when it came to organisation. This week's discussion. So this week's discussion is, I'm going to go back up the page. It's got here, what does triathlon, oh, see, where am I? I've gone past it. What does triathlon do better than any other mass participation sports? So I'm thinking comparing this to like um, big marathon events and uh, big cycling races that you might have done that are big tours. So what, what can other sports learn from us? We always want to try to learn from others, but what can they learn from us that we do really well? There we go. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about my book, but let's just pause for a second, John. Oh, we've got the weekly quiz first, Bevan. Don't forget oh, let's that. do the weekly quiz. Okay. What's the weekly quiz? How It's a big rote theme this week. Uh, how many non-Germans have won mm. rote in the last 10 years or Roth? So we know there's so many Germans, you know, you're thinking Fredino's got it a bit, Anne Haug's won it a bit. There's a few other names and stuff in there. So the last 10 years, how many people have gone in and burgled the, the, burgled the German race? In, in it's rote? a really hard question. But, but hey, if you can get it. And this is both female and males, so check that out. Okay, so we're going to pause for a second, so we just want to sort something out, and we'll be back, and we're going to be talking about my book. Okay. We, we had to check some sound stuff there, so we are back. Okay, Jonbo, so you're the interviewee. You're going to answer me the questions I wrote for you. <laughs> exactly. Bevan, why did you want to write this particular book that has been in the build-up for quite some time now? What happened was I wrote my first book, and... You know, my first book did really well, and I was really happy with it. And but it was kind of just here's some ideas around tips to be better at fitness. Uh, and basically, after I wrote that book, I just thought there's nothing out there for people who aren't exercising. Like my real motivation, you know, like I do my beginner running group, and I've learned a lot in helping those types of people. And I just thought when you look at fitness books, there's kind of three types of fitness books. There's mind books, which, you know, you know how to be mentally tough. There's movement-specific books, so how to become faster at running or how to do CrossFit movements, how to do strength training, or kind of diet books. And then and then the self-journey books. So there's kind of four types of books. And when you look at, for those who aren't exercising and really struggle with exercise, there's just nothing out there. And obviously, in the last 10, 15 years of my life, that's been a real focus of mine. And so I, I, ultimately, I just think when... One of the things that industry as a whole is we're not catering to people who aren't exercising. And so my real motivation was, can I put together a package which actually is going to help people who aren't exercising actually get exercise in their life? And, and not just like that four-week challenge thing, but get to where we are, where, where we love exercise. And so that was the real motivation is I wanted to give those people a pathway where they can be successful. Um. I'm going to skip it. I know you've got your questions written yeah, down no, you, here, but you do what you need to do, yeah. Belinda was uh, saying to me, she follows this uh, Kiwi lady, Brody Kane. You probably know. Yeah, yeah, Brody, yeah um, And her mother, apparently she, she was doing some Instagram post or whatever bloody social media she was on. And her mother had about, she honestly had a whole room apparently of 
self-help books in terms of uh, getting fit. And her mother was um, used to be a good athlete. Like uh, she's she's done quite a bit of. Uh, I don't think she swum the cook straight, but she's she, she used yeah. to be pretty good. She's got all these self-help books, and, and none of them help. So I guess what's the difference between your what your book is, and in, in terms of getting people to love exercise, um, rather than all these other self-help books out there. And, what, and what, what do you hope? How do you, how have you tried to set it up so they are going to read your book and they yeah. are going to be able to stick to it? Because basically, what I've learned. So the, the first thing is that the beginner experience is completely different to our experience, and I think that's one of the biggest problems is because people are trying to design products or advice for those who aren't successful, and so the, you know it's like we're trying to teach these lessons that are way too advanced for where these people are. And like with our running group, we've, like we've trained five, over 4,000 people to run 5K, you know, and many of them have gone on to do half marathons with us. And so I've just learned the lessons these people need to have. Now, one thing I've learned that the real key to, to shifting the physical and mental experience of a beginner is you've got to build experiences that create change for them. Like belief comes from evidence of experiences. And so like with our 5K running group, they're always at about week six, they come up to me and go, Bevan, did they say two things? I said, Bevan, you're not going to believe it, but I like running. Or secondly, they'll say, Bevan, I see other runners and I think I'm a runner now. Now, these are really important moments in these people's lives because what it's showing is that they believe that they can actually, you know, they're shifting their belief around this thing. Now, how have we gotten there? Well, what we've done is we've created these experiences. Like by this point, they've probably had about 20 sessions with us. We've created these experiences which shift their belief within themselves. So when I designed the book, I basically thought, what are the key lessons these people need to learn? And then what are, so basically the way I've designed the book is each chapter, there's kind of 10 lessons that they have to go through. And each chapter kind of starts with a story and it's revealing the lesson that they need to learn. And once I reveal the lesson, then there's a challenge they have to achieve. Once I kind of introduce the challenge, then I give the rules, strategies, and mindsets. So for example, the, the, the first problem they face is they don't, they don't fit in, they don't put it in their life. Like, they, they have good intentions, but they never actually plan putting exercise in their life. So the first thing we're going to do is to prioritize some time in their week to putting exercise in their life. Like I was listening to you when you're talking about doing your 5K run challenge, you commit a huge amount of time to your training. Now, mm. you know, like for everyday people, that's ridiculous. Now, I'm not asking them to do that. They'll be stupid to ask them to do your level. So what we've got to do in this first step is we've got to go, you know what, can, you, can we get you to fit exercise into your life? Now, when I put the challenge in, the challenge is you're going to do 12 exercise sessions over a month. Now, when we put it in that context, some people could be scared by that. So when I'm designing the book, I was basically going, what are the barriers? So what experiences do they need to have to, to shift? So the first is they need to learn to fit it in their life. Then what we've got to do is how do I pitch it so they can be successful with a challenge based on the level they're at? So in the first chapter, it's basically, or the first baby step, I call it, they have to learn to the, the, the lesson is learn to fit exercise into the, or, or start exercise with the right attitude. The challenge is 12 exercise sessions in a month, but then I have these rules, strategies, and mindsets. So for example, some of the rules are the, phys, the exercise has to be physically and mentally extremely easy. Like at this stage, if you think, oh my God, I'm really worried about doing this workout, it's too much. And what we're trying to do is go to a level, like I say in the book, if it's a five minute walk, it's a five minute walk. Like I, don't, like, I don't care because what we're trying to teach you is that prioritization of putting exercise in your week. So when we look at your week, it's like, when can I fit it in? 
What's the highest chance of me being successful fitting it in? And then how do I make the exercise not a barrier when I think about doing it? Because people who aren't exercising, unfortunately, when they think about exercise, they think it's going to be hard and horrible. So they don't want to do it. So if we get it to a level where you think, well, I could do a fine walk, then that removes that barrier. But also one of the problems for those people who aren't exercising is they measure the physical results. So after three weeks, they might be doing really well and setting up the habit, but they jump on the scales, they haven't lost any weight, they go, I suck and they quit. So one of the rules is you're not allowed to measure the physical results because you're not going to get any at this stage because we're not trying, that's not the focus. The focus is bringing the habit into your life. So what I'm doing in each chapter is I'm trying to lay the foundations of you having exercise in your life but I'm also pitching it at a level where a beginner can actually succeed. So at the end of that first section, they've learned the habit. Like, we, you know, we know what you need to do to get to the pool in the morning. You know, you probably packed your bed gear the night before. You probably got a bit of mental prep you do, you know, to set the alarm and get out of bed as soon as the alarm goes off. It's all this kind of stuff. Well, that's what we've got to teach them in this first stage. And so I've got to remove the barriers that make them be unsuccessful. And the way I've designed this book is I'm teaching them the lessons. I'm creating the, the challenges which are experiences that they need to go through, which will shift their, their belief in, their, in themselves. And then I'm giving them the framework around succeeding in the challenge at the level that they're at. So like they'll, everyone will read that first chapter and go, I can do that. And that's what we've got to get them to do. And then they go on that journey. So then once they do that, so then the second chapter is we've got to get them to find a movement they love. You know, like basically when you look at people who love exercise, what have they got? Well, they, they prioritize exercise. You know, you and I prioritize exercise in our week. We find a movement we love. You know, you you know, everyone who loves exercise has a movement. It's not triathlon, but it's you know, there'll be a movement they love. They've got a community of people they love with that movement. You know, that's something they have. They've got leaders who guide them in their movement. They've got leaders and mentors who guide them. They have growth moments in their journey. So they'll have these little goals that they experience along the way. They have an identity around fitness. That you know, so it's all the, that's that's where we are. That's where I've got to get these people to. So like in a second chapter where it's basically, we've got to get them to find a movement they love because ultimately if we can find a movement they love, we help them a lot with motivation because they want to be doing it. You know, the question we always get asked is what's the best result, best movement for results. And it's like, it's a stupid question. It's the movement you love, you know, like John in a perfect world, you do a lot more gym work, but mm. you hate gym work. So, yeah. you know, like you're never going to do it. You love swim, bike, run. You know, and so that's what we've got to get people to. Now, again, a lot of people who are failing with exercise, the idea of going to exercise environments, they're going to feel vulnerable, they're going to feel insecure. So as I introduce the challenge of that chapter, I've also given them the rules and strategies and mindsets that allow them to safely dip their feet in the water. And this is what I'm doing is each chapter gives the right lessons at layering the exercise experience and then giving them the rules and strategies and mindsets so they can safely go into those experiences, succeed, and ultimately, I kind of talk about the framework, building the foundation of the framework of lifetime life of exercise. And that's why I think this is different, because I think a lot of other books just say, hey, do this, but there's no real, this is like a follow this plan, and it's all achievable, and I'm going to teach you the right way of doing it. And, you know, and I think what we'll, I'll find in the early days, but once you've done that first chapter, you feel like you're succeeding. And then, so then you go, you know, you feel like I can continue on. And what a lot of people do with exercises, they start and they sit, they do everything wrong. So they end up quitting really quickly. And I've pitched at a level where they just, if they do it right, they, they really kind of can't fail. And that's what we've got to do. So that's why I think it's completely different. So in terms of um, creating success for these people, you kind of said you've got little baby steps as you, as you walk along. Yep. Um how do you keep that to be sustainable? Because, you know, um, 
I know you said initially, okay, you're not going to lose that weight. You kind of drum that into people. Um, for you, I guess, um, how do you how do you work your way through the book to make sure that fitness is a, a lifelong thing? Because I know that's what your your, your end yeah. goal is to pe- get people to be um, active permanently, rather than doing a, a twelve week challenge or a you know, yeah. six month challenge. How, how how do you bring that into the book in terms of? Keeping so the first half of the book is very much about that first part of their experience. So it is that learning to prioritize it, finding a movement. Then we get them to find their community. You know, which is massive. We can get people into a community. Of you know, with, with good leaders and good camaraderie and all that, you know. Well, once they find their movement, the next chapter is try different communities with your movement. Like I'm a big, I, I even talk about in the chat. I was, I was talking to a guy the other day who's in Wellington. Is this guy who's an amazing fitness instructor, and he's got this hip hop step class he does. And he gets like a couple hundred people there every night. And so people drive for an hour to go to his class, you know. And it's like people think conveniences will motivate them. Convenience doesn't motivate people community does and like if you're in your area now i get not all areas have got this but let's say you find you love boxing and in your area there's five boxing gyms and one's a a five minute job and one's a 30 minute drive but the 30 minute drive is a great community where you feel belonging you feel camaraderie you feel you know all that great and great leaders within it that 30 minutes is worth it you know whereas if the five but five minute drive is shit you know like why would you do that and so so the first half of the book's kind of leading them towards their first goal and and I even the goal that I'll pitch I teach them how to set a, a good goal and so the first half is all about that and then the second half once I've achieved that first kind of beginner goal then I I, I one of the next chapters is making sure you don't slip back because this is one of the biggest problems is that people have a growth moment they have success and they slip back and I and so that, that I mean after that that's where it goes but then the last few chapters are installing that lifetime love and I have a few things so one chapter is called the circle of fitness and it's this kind of way of thinking this process you go through i talk about in the book there's four types of people with exercise there's the person who never exercises there's the yo-yo person who kind of has moments but then falls away there's the habit exercises which we see a lot of the habit exerciser is the person who's got a good habit but they are not actually growing anymore they're not actually getting any results they just turn up to the same shit each week you know, we, we see this in all, we see it at the gym, we see it in triathlon, same stuff every week. They haven't actually grown in a long time. And then we have the thriving person. And the thriving person is when, you know, you're about to go into a thriving section with your one minute challenge. It's where you're, you're pushing yourself, you're growing, you're developing yourself. It's that awesome place of fitness. Now, what we need, now thriving doesn't happen 100% of the time. So ultimately what we've got to have is we've got to have a base of habit and moments of thriving. That's kind of what we've got to have within an exercise life. And, you know, that I've got a base routine, you know, for me, it's probably about 10 hours a week. And in moments where I'm doing a goal, which is about me developing myself as a person through the sport. Now, in that chapter, I teach them the framework, how to be a a long-term habit person with moments of thriving in place. And that's kind of that chapter there. Then the next chapter is ultimately taking ownership of your fitness identity, because the real moment we've got to get people to is when they feel dissonance because they're not exercising and their identity and their belonging is around exercise. Like for you and I, and I guarantee for most people listening to this right now, because we are hardcore exercisers, if we missed a couple of days of exercise, we feel dissonance. You know, mm-hmm. like I haven't missed a couple of days of exercise in God, 20 years. You know, like yeah, I, I just don't do it because I know. I feel a bit crap. And also I, my, my identity is a fitness person. So ultimately I've got to get people to that point. Cause once we get to that point, the, the thought of not exercising 
is, is it keeps us exercising basically. And in that chapter there, I actually give them tools and strategies to reinforce and install that in their life. And that's to me, that's that's the ultimate place I'm trying to get them to is that that place where they've always got a habit or thriving in with exercise in their life, where they feel dissonance if they're not exercising, and actually that within themselves into their world, they express that they're an exerciser. Mm. Oh, sounding sounding good. As you said, I said to Blunder. Yeah, you're exactly right. You you can appreciate people who have not exercised before. If I tried to write a book or anything like this, it would be an absolute complete debacle because yeah. I don't know what it's like to be in that world. Yeah. And, and the people that I deal with are usually pretty motivated. They've already got that goal in yeah. place. Whereas, um, well, and that's what, you know, that's shift. my beginner group, like, because I was, you know, when, when I started my beginner group, I'd won New Zealand Fitness Startup Theory three times. I traveled the world as a fitness instructor, you know. If you'd asked me if I was how to, if I knew everything about fitness, I don't know everything, but you know what I mean. Like I, you know, I was pretty knowledgeable. And then I started the beginner group, and I had no idea. Like you know, I was failing them, and you know, through these lessons of helping these people, I've just understood the barriers they're going to face. Like one little thing, like for a new person, if they have one bad day, they'll quit. You know, so this is a massive barrier. So in the book, I guide them through. You're going to have a bad day. Now, my, my journey, my, my way I'm managing you is so you don't have a bad days. You know, I'm trying to do it in ways where you have, we're minimalizing that in the experience, but it's going to happen. So what are the strategies you're going to use at this time? And the book's really around the strategies and tools guiding them through the experiences they need. So, yeah, so that's what it's all about. Cool. So, Bevan, obviously, how can we support it? So I really want your support, guys. Like, uh, this is massive. And I've got to say, the people who I've already talked to about this have been supporting me massively. Like, the book's selling really well. Um, And here's the thing. So we've basically self-published this book. We've used a a company, which is like a publishing company, but we've paid to do it ourselves. So we've actually spent $40,000 on the book. Um, With my time, it's probably been $150,000 investment. Um, But we don't mind because, A, we're in a position in life where that's an investment we can do. And B, I'm in a moment in my life where a passion project is something I can do as well. And I think, you know, if you get to a moment in life where you've got the privilege to do something like this, you should do it. And so on that case, um, I'm willing for that investment. But basically what we're doing right now is by self-publishing, we make it a lot more money off each book. So in my past, my first book, each book we sold, we made like $3. So there's just no money in it. Now, my first book I published, I didn't really care. I just kind of put it out there and it kind of, you know, did okay. And that was it. And I never thought about it. Whereas my mission is to use this book to get people moving. That's that's my mission. And, and I see my job now is to basically promote the crap out of this book and get more people moving because I really believe it can help people in their lives. So if you can buy the book, basically every profit dollar we make, we're just putting back into ads. So what we're going to do is in the next moment, we're just saving all the money and then we're going to try to figure out our marketing strategy. We're going to figure out what it takes to get someone to buy the book. And then once we figure that out, we're just going to put every dollar we make. It's basically a game monopoly because if we can figure out that someone can buy the book for this much, we're just going to throw more money at it because our job is to get people moving. So by you buying the book right now, and you can can get on Amazon, go to our website, www.passionaboutexercise.com. You're basically just supporting me getting more people moving. And that's cool. And also... You can give the book to the people in your world who aren't moving. I give a free goal setting course when you buy the book, which is a seven day goal setting course, which is for all types of people so that you can get value from that. It's probably worth the value of the book anyway. So you get value from doing the goal setting course. Um, So the first thing is, if, if you've enjoyed my work on this podcast, it's a really good way to support me on my life's mission. Secondly, the website is www.passionaboutexercise.com. 
let the people in your world know about the book and give me some credibility when you do it. So kind of say, Bevan is a guy who's really helped lots of people. I really respect him in this area. Um, this is a book that I actually think, you know, you because the problem for people who aren't excising is they look at us and they think, well, you don't get me. Mm. You know, so they're not going to listen to us. You know, whereas if you can kind of say, this guy's actually helped these people and so on, in my book in their hands, it's a pathway where they can be successful. Um, if you've got a podcast, get me on. Like basically my job now is to promote the crap out of it. So if you've got a podcast, flip me an email, get it on. And if you want to share on your socials, you can share on your socials. I'll actually put a link in the show notes today. I've created social posts. So you can download that and you can grab the post and put it on your socials. Or if you see me talking about it on the socials, Robert B. Lean, I know sent one, shared one of my posts, you know, this type of stuff. It's basically my job is to get this in many people's hands as possible because I fundamentally believe it can help people love exercise. And so um, if, if you can support it in any way, it'd be really great because success for me is like, if I sell lots of books, great. But the best thing in my life is when I get an email from someone saying, man, this thing you did shifted me. And I'm very fortunate in my life because I get a lot of those emails through my 5K group and, and through my other podcasts and stuff. And the moment when I get an email from someone saying, this book has actually shifted my life, is what this is all about. And if I can get as many people doing that as possible, um, you know, the legacy of my work would be pretty massive. And if you could support me in that, it'd be really awesome. So, and one thing I'll say is if you're listening just right now, and you go, yeah, I want to support Bevan, there'll be a link to the show notes in the podcast app right now. Do it now because what people do is they go, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And they forget all about it. Literally click on that link right now, pause what you're doing. If you're out training, stop and pause right now. Go through the process, buy the book, you can buy it on the website, you can get it shipped to you overseas, you can get it on Amazon buy the book right now, do it right now and support me on this cause. Because again, all that money you're spending with me right now is going into helping others love exercise. So, so yeah, thanks for that. And again, the website is www.passionaboutexercise.com. Awesome stuff. We can get more people moving. More people are going to be happy. If yeah. it's just a snowball effect. Yeah. Well, and that's going to be positively influenced. Like it's so much better for people's lives, isn't it? Anyway, I'm going to pause and we'll be back in one second. Hello team, uh, we've got Jenna Carr-Seafried back on the show, you've heard from her before, uh, she's a strength endurance coach at MX Endurance um, and hopefully you guys can really relate to her because she's travelled a journey that a lot of you guys may well have done, um, being from 50 pounds overweight to being all the way up to a Kona qualifier and a world championship medal medalist. She didn't follow my painted John Newsom three-year Ironman plan. Uh, she sort of got into it pretty quickly. She's also a mum come and come from the corporate world, so you can check out all her stuff. And uh, the app we're going to talk about is the Endurance Fit app, which you can check out endurancefitapp.com. So welcome back to the show, Jenna. Thank you so much. Happy to be back here chatting with you again. Cool. So we've been sort of focusing on um, strength and endurance training with you and um, how you sort of developed your app. And now for, uh, I guess we've got two um, sort of polar opposites. Um, we've got the people in the Southern Hemisphere who are in the middle of winter and uh, completely uh, off season or maybe having a single discipline focus unless they're maybe building up for Kona or something like that. Um, but on the contrast, you guys in North America and Europe are very much mid-season now. So the focus for the strength and conditioning sort of changes a little bit so maybe sort of run us through you know how the app works for for people and, and also you know the types of things they should be focusing on more for their in-season training as opposed to to what they might be doing sort of pre-season and, and off-season yeah absolutely we're definitely in the thick of it and for myself personally I'm so happy that we actually have racing back again it's been great yeah. to see everything happening on the pro side and the athletes I coach it's just 
great to be back in that energy after so long. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the strength training, so with the endurance bit up, what I wanted to do was make sure that it was very periodized strength training because how you're training in the off season is pretty drastically different from how you should be training in season when you've got a full load of swim, bike and run. Um, you're not, you're not a bodybuilder. You don't have five hours to spend in the gym every week. So we have to make it kind of fit into your schedule a little bit better. So what I've done through the app is I've made it fairly easy to see uh, what workouts you should be doing for which period in the season. So there's a whole workout program just called in-season strength training. And it's exactly that. When it comes to the training for in-season, like I said, it's all about complementing your triathlon work. Okay. So I'm not going to have you in the gym for a crazy mm -hmm. amount of time. It's more between like 20 to 40 minute sessions, two to three times a week, depending on kind of your background in strength training and how heavy your triathlon load is. And a lot of it is really focused on just making sure that you don't get any imbalances throughout the season and really making sure that you're activating the right muscles for swim, bike and run. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of functional work at this point. We're going to be using a little lighter weights at points. We're not trying to build a ton of strength at this point. We're just trying to maintain some of the strength that you've built in the off season and then make sure that you're keeping the right and left side as in balance as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, what I find at this point in the season is where people are starting to feel those little miggles. Maybe they have, you know, tight, uh, tight calves or they're starting to feel some Achilles issues. And a lot of that is because of those imbalances with these repetitive motions over and over and over again, all those pedal strokes, all those run strides, if something's out of whack, it's just going to get worse and worse as you go. Right. So what we're looking to do here is you'll see a lot of single side work again, just making sure that we're showing up any imbalances or mitigating those imbalances at this point. You'll also see a lot of just rotational work because we want to make sure that you have that strength and power that you do have is being effectively utilized through the swim, bike and run and a lot of core and glute work. So this is where I find a lot of athletes, a lot of triathletes are kind of lacking in their core and glute strength. And that's when you start to see issues in the calves in the Achilles. If you're not really using these big, strong glutes, that are fairly bomb proof when it comes to injury. So we want to make sure that those are firing on all cylinders and really helping propel you throughout your races. Hmm. I'm totally hearing what you're saying in terms of, uh, you know, getting that, that load right. You know, a big part mm -hmm. of the strength training is, is balancing it into your week. You know, if you're going to the gym and lifting huge, huge weights, which you might maybe do in the off season, um, the recovery from that and, and the, the, the opportunity cost when it comes to doing you know, some of your, your quality swim, bike and run sessions is, is compromised. So it is, yeah, it's all about getting that balance right eh? but between, um, between sort of maintaining what you've, you've hopefully built up over, over the winter months and, um, and keeping yourself in one piece. Yeah, definitely. And I kind of sneak in some foam rolling and mobility work in there too, because I know triathletes are great at getting that in. Um, so we kind of sneak yeah. them into the workouts just again, to make sure that you're getting a feel for any imbalances, working out some of those tight spots and just moving a little bit better.
Cool. One of the great things about the app, guys, is you know you're getting a visual on what you should be doing. Um, it's all good and well having a, a little plan written down on a piece of paper, but when you've actually got a visual, so you can see what you're supposed to be doing. You know, just taking the phone into the gym or into your garage, wherever you're going to be doing the workout, you've got it all in front of you. Just, just one question around um, people who are maybe listening to this who haven't done that sort of mm-hmm. pre-season or, or off-season work. You know, where should they maybe start in terms of uh, just doing something? when they're when they're sort of mid-season and and how does that sort of fit into the app as well sure so I've got a program in there just called activation and core and it's fairly light when it comes to time commitments shorter workouts and it's really just about engaging those muscles that are really beneficial to your training Um, and that is something that you can start very much body weight kind of ease into the strength training because I don't know if you've ever stopped strength training for a while and gotten back into it. Oh, those first it's back. ugly. It's ugly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's just a bit of a, a milder kind of workout program that can fit in. It still hits the muscles that you need to hit with again, a little less time commitment and a little bit less doms afterwards. Yeah. It's very much uh, very progressive from new, new, new to getting a little bit stronger and a little bit more balanced. Yeah, absolutely. Those doms do go away, but that first uh, week oh. or two can be, pretty, can be pretty ugly. So guys, if you want to check it out, uh, check out endurancefitapp.com. I did have a couple of other random questions for you, Jenna. Um, one, I think, did you go to the sub seven, sub eight, uh, go over there and watching, or were you just observing from a distance? Yeah. Yeah, I did. That was one of the coolest triathlon spectacles I have ever seen. I was actually lucky enough to be out there on the track riding. It was so cool to see these trains of athletes going by like you're standing still. Like uh, I'm pretty good on a bike, but you see Blumenfeld and his team cruise by and you're just like, I am I moving? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was it was pretty crazy to see it go down and just what a feat of human endurance seeing how closely those teams work together in the pits all week they're just trying out different strategies and seeing what they can do to go as fast as possible it was it was truly fascinating yeah it was it was it was <clears throat> the feedback we had was amazing online i watched uh, basically the whole thing and it was awesome what, what was it like on the ground in terms of it i didn't really couldn't tell if there was many spectators there or not was there mm-hmm. was there a few people there there was definitely a few people there. We had kind of a hospitality tent and stuff where a lot of people are, were out there cheering and then a bunch of people all over the course. The one thing with the location was it was a little tougher to get spectators just because it was um, out of the way from a few towns, mm-hmm. but it definitely, the energy out there and just seeing people getting excited about the racing because there was such an exciting story with, you know, Joe's kind of the underdog coming in last second and Blumenfeld and their interactions were just so entertaining but the whole the crowd was just getting fired up and when Kat made that pass back over Nicola everyone lost their minds it was it was really cool to be in that energy very cool and one other thing I did want to ask because I know I'm I'm always interested in is uh, LaTap um so for people that don't know about LaTap I don't even know it was uh, spread around different parts of the world, but in France, you know, obviously the Tour de France is on right now. And with the tap, they do essentially do one of the stages of, um, of the Tour de France for age groupers. It is massive. I've never done it myself. It is huge. Um, But now it's spreading in in different parts of the world and you're you're involved in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm part of the team putting on the LATAP races in North America and that's exactly what it is. Just the opportunity for amateur athletes to experience the Tour de France energy. 
and kind of some of the cool parts about it is one, we have a Tour de France champion come out to the races. So cool. we just had uh we just did Le Tap San Antonio by Tour de France and we had Alberto Contador out there and nice. I got my butt kicked by him on a bicycle, tried to race him up a hill, did not go great. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably still pretty fit. He hasn't been out of the game for that long. Oh man, I've got this video where I'm working hard up the hill and he just bounces by <laughs> and it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then we also have a sprint section and a King of the Mountain section where you get a chance to win a Tour de France polka dot jersey or green jersey. And it's just a lot more fun to win those in real life than on Swift. Yeah, so yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, they're a lot of fun. We've got um, actually one coming up here in August in Edmonton, which the triathlon community will know Edmonton well. PTOs yeah. come up pretty quick. Yeah, and uh, then we have them in San Antonio and Las Vegas, and we'll be doing a few more soon. Awesome, guys! If you want to check out um, Jenna's app, uh, endurancefitapp.com, you heard earlier in the show me talking about how important strength training is for me. So if you guys want to get amongst it, especially if you're in season or if you're out of season, um, there's we haven't talked about it today, but we have talked about it on previous shows. Check it out and get yourself set up so you can be bulletproof and uh get your swim bike done run done in a nice uh, quick and fast manner so gina as always thanks so much for your time yeah absolutely my pleasure always fun to chat with you okay john did the interview by himself so we are back and we're going to say wanger of the week, of the week. Number th- yourself, john who's this yeah number 33 uh ridon slamani he did 16 hours and 54 minutes of training one hour 27 minutes of swimming seven hours 51 on the bike and seven hours 34 on the run almost outran the amount of biking that's awesome from 11 activities he's from Almira in the Netherlands by the look of it Uh, so that's where they have Ironman we used to be Challenge Almira I think it's Challenge Almira I don't think the Ironman's there Ironman's in Maastricht Uh, so he is on I don't know how many clubs but the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a couple a, of pages he's, a club whore. Uh, he's got 16.99 following him and 1800 he's following 1699 people and he's uh, got 1800 followers uh, he looks like he's had a bit of a sort of medium period sort of through May June July and had a peak massive peak period in March last week he did a little bit of open water swimming a little bit of riding around Almira uh, let's see what he's done the last four weeks he has averaged 76 kilometers running that's solid very solid nice. averaging three rides per week and averaging a swim per week so he's a nicely rounded triathlete and yeah so fantastic week of training all around Almera is ticking the box for doing the swim bike and run every week uh so Redon Slamani you are our wanger of the week, week. Okay, John, but the question was, how many non-German athletes have won Challenger Alt in the last 10 years? Now, I'm going to say, I'm pulling this out of my butt. I'm going to say seven. Yeah, see, I'm thinking, uh, I think it's quite a lot. If we think on the female side, when was the last German winner? Anne Haug's won the last couple. So I'm oh, this is going to be hard to figure out, John. Yeah, so we'll quickly go through it. But I'm, I'm going to say on the female side, we've had three female winners on the boys side i'm going to say it's going to be a few more i'm going to say it's 55 
Oh, no, 60 40. I'm going to say six out of the last 10 have been, uh, have been Germans. Okay, so in 2012, there were no Germans. Rachel and Joyce took it out. 2013, no Germans. 2014, no. Oh, Timo Brack was one. 2015, yeah. we had Nils Fromhol. It's two. Uh, yeah. yeah. 2016, we had Jan. No, no female. Uh, 2017, we had Arnott. So lots of men, not yeah. many females. 2000. Arnott's not German. He's oh, he's, he's Belgian. Uh, He's Belgian, yeah. Yep, sorry, so that wasn't. So it's a three, is it? Uh, Daniela Blamer took it out when we were there, and Sebastian Keenless, so it's two more. So it's five, is it? Uh, 2019, one, Andreas Jertz. Uh, it's six. And Haig and Patrick Langer is eight in 2021. And then, so it's nine, nine winners in the last 10 years. So that would be and 11. This, yeah. No, this is yeah. including this year. Yeah. There you go. So so, 11 non-Germans, 11 non-Germans. Just about 50-50. There you go. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, you, your uh, swim set, I ruined your swim set because you meant to be doing it this morning and I texted you, I said, mate, we've got to do it at six in the morning. So what was, what's your swim set going to be? Swim set, it had to be moved to Friday. It's my birthday tomorrow. It's going to be 46 times 100 on the 140. Nice. Ooh. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Okay. Um, borders are open. Epic Camp New Zealand is on in October. Yep, so if you want to come on down, there's no more. You don't need to get into New Zealand with uh, with having a negative COVID test or anything like that. You can come straight on in. So if you want to come down to New Zealand, we've got the Top of the South Tour. It's a 10-day epic camp, amazing scenery. It's going to be an awesome adventure around the Top of the South Island. Um, for Kiwis and Aussies, A, this is an awesome experience, but B, it will set you up for summer amazingly, especially if you're doing Ironman New Zealand. So with these camps, ability is not such a big issue. We're going to have athletes ranging from nine-hour Ironman sort of through to 14 hours or so. So as long as you can do, you know, close to a six-hour 30 or six-hour 40 sort of bike split at, a, at an Ironman, you will be okay as long as you're nice and fit. So really want to make sure this is a good, successful camp with plenty of people. Um, so come on down and uh, crank it on Epic Camp and see some amazing scenery. Okay, Jombo, let's go patrons. We've got a new patron, Jombo. Got two new patrons. Um, Gareth Bridge is number one, and you can tell me if uh, you want to override this nickname. I'm giving no, like him this. the nickname like Bumblebee. And the reason for that, I chucked Gareth Bridge in Google, and uh, and, it, and it said something about a transformation director or something somewhere. It was highly likely that it was a different Gareth Bridge. I'm not quite sure. But I thought transformation. I'm thinking a transformer. Looked up a couple of transformer names and thought, oh, yeah, that might be okay. That might be okay. Then I put his name into the Sky Sports Darts nickname generator. And the second option that came up was a transformer name of Bumblebee. So it's going to stick. So Gareth Bumblebee Bridge. The double B works, John. You nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. The Bumblebee Bridge, I like it. And then we've got Shane Reeves now. I know Shane Reeves, and this could be the Shane Reeves I know. Um, Quite likely. He's from Christchurch. Yeah, Shane is a really good guy. Shane, okay. Shane Reeves, and you've gone with what? Um, Shane, the butler Reeves, um, and the reason I have some really obscure thoughts on some of these nicknames. The reason I thought of the butler is I thought Shane Reeves, 
I thought, Ask Jeeves. And Ask Jeeves was kind of like a, a butlery type guy, wasn't he? With, yeah. In terms of that sort yeah, of search yeah, engine. Yeah. So I thought the butler. And also, butlers also really helpful people. And Shane's awesome. He came and helped at the Sea to Sky event last year. He said, I, I listened to the show, happy to help any way I can. And, and uh, he was massively helpful in terms of being my sort of two IC. Um, so I've gone for either the butler or the nut. Dart's nickname generator gave him Ragdoll, but I kind of like the butler. So if yeah, you choose either no, butler I like that or as well. Ragdoll. It's definitely the butler. He's a really yeah. good guy. He's, he's a really good guy. So, okay, Shane and Gareth, you are our patrons for this week. And now if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Go through the process. And those people who are our patrons, thank you so, so much. It means a lot to us. It really helps support us with what we do. Uh, you're going to draw to win some cool prizes. And more importantly, you just support a podcast that you enjoy. So if you're thinking about being a patron, jump on the website and get that done ASAP. Jumbo Sawyer, so thank you to our sponsor. We have indeed. Uh, so you've heard how important strength training is to my little running challenge at the moment, and you can get your own strength training done through the Endurance Fit app. Uh, so endurancefitapp.com. Um, that will mean you've got some structured exercise in front of you on your phone or on your tablet, whatever it is, and you can follow a really well-structured routine, whether that be pre-season, in-season, or off-season. So check out Endurance Fit. Okay, if you want to get your email to, also go to www.imtalk.me. If you want coaching, coachjohnnewsome.com. If you want to go do one of his epic camps, epiccamp.com. Now, my book website, again, is www.passionaboutexercise.com. But if you go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com, you can get it from there as well. Um, other content, you can email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jombo, your goss. Uh, I had a big weekend of sport watching. It was pretty good. Watched yeah, the All Blacks, well. Rush yeah. Island. Watched a little bit of the Warriors um, win. Watched a little bit of Formula One yesterday. Uh, watched a little bit of ropes. So got a nice balance across all the different sports. Got myself I do love nice sport. Yeah, it's been yeah, great. I love you know like the, the, like the the All Blacks was actually a really good game. Like it was, we had a, we had a lot of friends around to our house. It was yeah, I love sport. I, I like a five-day week, Bev. And last week was the first day I had a five-day week for a while. Oh, okay. And you can actually get all your work done and you're not yep. getting to the end of the week going, oh, my God, I've got a huge list of things I've still got to do. So so all in all, it was happy times. And what I'm going to do today, Bevan, I'm, I'm, I'm almost pulling the trigger on doing this little Everesting uh, thing in December. So I'm going to go and do a recon, a recon ride today going up uh, a road that I think I might use for Everesting in December. So oh, looking on. forward to that. Dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah. So you're going to be, you'll be fast and then slow. Yes, true. <laughs> very, very true. Contrasting, yeah, contrasting goals. One minute yeah. through to like 13 hours. <laughs> yep. No, I think the predicted time uh, was was 12 hours of uh, 12 hours of riding up and down the hill, 200 kilometers. Oh, good Bevan, you're up in Auckland. Yeah, I'm just doing all the PR for uh, the book, uh, doing radio and TV and, and all the rest of it. I was, I was on a program called The Project last night. I've never done live TV before. I've done lots of interviews, which is pretty easy because, you know, you just sit down on the couch and, and live TV, it was, yeah, it was, it was a kind of a different experience, but it was also quite, you know, it was, it was good fun. Um, and then this week's all about promotion. And then then it's actually quite nice because you talk about working. I've been working like this last six months to get this product ready has been in the last two weeks and I did some things stupidly I tried to add more to it in the last week which is which I actually think was a good move but last week I was like 24-7 it's quite nice now because the book's out and I've got it's another job now because the job is getting the audience and, and promoting it um, but it's a lot less work so I can actually breathe so I'm looking forward to some downtime 
<laughs> and so to put it in perspective, people, um, in New Zealand, we have two terrestrial sort of TV channels that are sort of free to air. I know the whole spectrum of watching stuff has changed, but we've got one t- TVNZ, which is our main sort of channel, and then TV3, which is what Bevan was on the project. Like that's national, proper national TV. It's not like some bloody local little station down in Christchurch, which nobody's actually going to watch. You know what's really amazing, uh, John? It's pretty it- big time. But you know what's amazing is your PR, you pay for your PR person. So, and and everyone who's behind my book really backs my book, which is really great. And the PR person, I may have seen this on the episode before, but there's one company you usually use for PR who's just like the top company. And in that company is one person who you want to get. And when I went to my publisher, I said, if you can get Karen, you're going to do really well, but she's, she, she's really hard to get. And she doesn't really take many projects on. She only take the cream of the crop. And when she saw my book, she said, I want to work on this book, which is really encouraging. And she's been awesome. Now we've paid $2,000. It's going to cost us $2,000 for our PR. The woman's a legend, man. I got a full page article on the Sunday stars times. I got on stuff for a day. Like they reckon 200,000 people will see that. Um, I got on radio in New Zealand yesterday for a 20 minute interview, which is basically New Zealand's biggest radio station on the project last night. I'm in like 15 magazines and a big radio station this morning for 2000 bucks. Like if I paid for advertising for that, whatever the exposure I've got, you'd be paying 30, 40,000 bucks. You know, like this woman is an absolute legend. I'm not complaining. I tell you. So, yeah. So, and, and the book's going really well. Like, like last week, it was really insecure. You know, like, you know, like you put, I've put so much time and energy into this project, which, you know, that I just hope will help people. Um, you know, you kind of, you, you tell people it's out there and you're waiting for first sales to come through and, and it's been consistently coming through, which is really good, but it's, it is a pretty scary moment. And so it's kind of nice, at least in this first moment, it's going in the right direction. So again, if you guys can support me, that'd be really awesome. Let's awesome. Up, Jombo. Right Back in the studios next week. Uh, yep. I'm Rust. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia Kia ka. Ka.